when I did get in the water and when I started, I was like, all right, I'm really doing this. I played it was three or four times in my head where I was like, I was like, God, this is this is tough. Like the conditions for for an average swimmer, I think were quite difficult. I'd never swam 10 kilometers in those conditions before. So uh, I think I was about 2K out, but I thought I had further to go. And I was like, oh, I thought I'd only done four kilometers, but I was already like at seven or eight. At that point, I was like, oh, geez. Is this ever going to finish? And then I had to just put the head down at that point and just power through. Thank you for joining us for episode number 23 of the Hard as Nails podcast brought to you by Outsider.re, Island's adventure magazine. Welcome back to our regular listeners. And if you're here for the first time, my name's Kevin and we hope you stick around a bit longer and continue to listen to the podcast, which is supported by Follow the Camino, the original walking holiday experts. Follow the Camino has been helping pilgrims to walk, cycle or horse ride along the famous Camino de Santiago pilgrimage routes in Spain for over a decade now. Airport transfers, the very best accommodation, meals and luggage transfers. It's all taken care of with their custom itinerary created just for you so that all you have to do is enjoy your adventure to the fullest. Go visit their website now, www.followthecamino.com. Now, within all of us, there exists the possibility to do something great, take on a massive challenge and accomplish it. And often it's the motivation behind the actions you do that gets you over that finish line. Our guest for this episode is all too familiar with this. Most people know him as the presenter of The Fix on Dublin's 98FM, while others celebrate the incredible work he does running and swimming grueling distances to raise money for charity. It's our great pleasure to have Brian Maher on the Hardest Nails podcast. Brian, thank you for joining us and uh, sharing with our listeners what it is you do when you are not behind the microphone. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great to be on speaking to you, Kevin. Thanks very much for having me. Wonderful. Well, thanks for joining us, Brian. From what I've read and, and what I've heard, I mean, you're the type of guy who enjoys taking on a challenge every so often and, and you don't back down from it. Now, growing up, though, were you the adventurous type? Did you have any sort of a, a sporting background? No, I suppose that's kind of the um, the typical story when it comes to some, some things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I did the odd sports, you know, but I never really gave it my all. Um, my mum and dad used to always say I'd be very good at whatever I put my mind to if mm. I put my mind to it. Um, but I always just found there was just something lacking in, in a level of interest that I never really fully committed myself to, whether that was tennis or uh, be it swimming when I did that when I was younger or Gaelic football, the, the sport we have over here. Um, I never just, uh, you know, just there was something in there that just didn't uh, quite catch my motivation so I, I plodded along through most of my uh, young years teenage years and uh, adolescence without really um, setting my mind to any big challenge mm. well you have now obviously become a person who who enjoys tackling endurance challenges and over the years you, you've uh, taken mm. on quite a few first one was back in 2011 when you ran five marathons in five consecutive days where did the idea come from first of all brian and uh, why was this the challenge that kick-started it all i think my first big challenge without having done it for charity just mm-hmm. a, a personal challenge was just doing one marathon um, so at the time, I think I was in my early 20s, and I, I specifically remember sitting around my dinner table with my family, my mum and dad, sister, um, and saying to them that I want to do the marathon, and they all 
broke their sides laughing at me, Kevin, <laughs> mm. um, because up until this point, I wasn't, you know, I, I hadn't even run a kilometre, mm. let alone a marathon. So they kind of like, yeah, yeah, Brian, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of lit a bit of a fire under me to uh, get out training. And I, I went out, I think that night or else the next day with my sister and just tried to run a kilometre and I was in bits from it. But mm. I, I had said I was going to do the marathon. So I went for that. Now, fast forwards then to the five marathons in five days. Mm-hmm. I think... The idea came from the Eddie Izzard challenge that he did. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're aware of that, yes, but yeah. uh, he did. His first one was, I think, 30 marathons in 30 days. And looking at Eddie Izzard, you'd probably think as well, oh, he, he doesn't look like your, your <laughs> typical athlete. No. <laughs> you know, um, I, I watched that and I, I just, it inspired me um, to, to think greater than, than what's out there. And mm-hmm. then with having a platform like being on radio, um, you can then reach more people and then obviously attach a charity to it and, and, and that kind of thing. So mm. that's where the, the five marathons in five days um, just came about because I the, the radio station I was working at, at the time, we had another radio station at the other side of Ireland. Mm-hmm. So in Limerick and we were in Dublin and I, I thought I could run from Dublin to Limerick and it turned out then that I ran the opposite way, Limerick to Dublin. Mm-hmm. And I did it for Special Olympics and I did it for the athletes that were going to the World Games that year. Mm. So I think we raised about €15,000 wow. um, in that in that challenge, which I was happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was kind of... Um, I think that's where, that was where that first challenge came from mm. anyway. So Wow. And what did your training in, entail in the build-up to this challenge, Brian? I mean, it's, it's tough enough to train for one marathon, as you know, but five back-to-back must be insanely difficult. Yeah, well, I think I was, I was, I was doing half marathons for, for breakfast, you know, that kind okay. of way. I was just, you get to a stage where, where a 10-mile run is, is a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is hard to kind of piece together a, a training program for these large challenges because you're going past, you know, what, what most people would do as a challenge already for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was doing actually for this, I was doing a lot of kind of mountain runs around uh, uh, Wicklow and, and Dublin here, okay. um, kind of incorporating that in just to make like a, a half marathon or a 20 mile run mm-hmm. more difficult. Um, and I, I was actually I was very pleased with how the the, the challenge went at the time the um, the five marathons in five days. Now I was sore, but I was keeping to around a, a four hour marathon per marathon. Wow. So so yeah, I was I was kind of happy that that my training that year kind of definitely um, paid off. Mm. Now, which one of the five days that I'm interested to know was the most difficult to get through, and and did you have any thoughts of calling it quits at any point? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I like we all we all know uh, Kevin about the the wall. Mm-hmm. Most people get when they're doing a marathon. Yeah. When you're doing five and five um, or anything like that, I suppose you still get that wall, but it's just uh, on a bigger scale. So I would say kind of the third day into the fourth day, when your body's starting to feel it, when you're like, oh god, another, I have to get up and do another marathon. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. That was 2011. Did you say I did that? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I can't actually. I can't actually really fully remember. Uh, not that I can give birth, but I suppose uh, along the lines of childbirth, you mm-hmm. forget the 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 bad parts, the yeah. the pain, the agonizing part, and you just remember fondly mm. how how good it was. Um, I, I just I remember running back into Dublin. Mm-hmm. And the final, say, like kind of six miles, a lot of friends and family and listeners and that joined me. 
um, and it's like there was a police escort and stuff like that. We ran up to the top of Grafton Street. Mm. So like that is kind of the, the, the memories I have in my head as opposed to the halfway across the country, lashing rain, mm. you know, kind of just one foot in front of the other. Um, so that's why also I kind of, I put that element of, of charity and I put it out there mm-hmm. um, on the radio and so on. So like, you know, if, if you, ha- if you quit due to your own kind of mindset, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to live it down. So you have that. That's mm-hmm. always a big burning uh, motivation behind you as well, that you've mm-hmm. said you're going to do this now. So mm-hmm. uh, you can't back out of it. Mm. Well, speaking about that, it touches on my next question, because obviously when you, you're running a race or you're taking on a specific challenge, often achieving the fastest time, the best possible position in the field, that's the goal for any athlete. But for you, though, the driving force behind it was reaching that target of the money you hope to uh, raise in aid of Special Olympics Island. How did that affect you psychologically during the challenge? Yeah, it's it's a funny one as well, you know, because all the challenges that I've done, I've I've done all the the fundraising has been for Special Olympics, mm-hmm. um, but it always starts out very slow. I think people are quite wary of donating money without you having done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's definitely a point always coming up, kind of like the last week. You're still you, the money still seems kind of low, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh god, you know, it's, it's, maybe maybe this isn't. <laughs> what it's going to turn out to be. Mm-hmm. I think I set a goal for that first one of, of 10,000 euro. Mm-hmm. Once you're in the middle of it, you know, and I, I remember kind of the, um, the the press and the media I was on, like all the, I was running, talking to radio stations and I was doing kind of videos and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, start, it started trickling through. It gives you that little, uh, you know, it's a, you start kind of standing up a bit taller and, you know, you, it gives you the meaning uh, and the reason for doing what you're doing. Now, the raising money is 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 fifty percent of it, and the mm-hmm. other fifty percent of it is is for me to just kind of prove to myself that I can do this, mm-hmm. um, this challenge. But yeah, always, it's, it's always a nice little motivator to know that if someone's going to give you ten euro of their hard earned cash because of what you're doing you're like right i'm running for that money that's the reason i'm doing this Mm, yeah absolutely moving on from that uh, spectacular achievement just one year later this uh, insane test of endurance it took a whole another step further by running 126 (laughs) miles that's the equivalent of five marathons for our listeners all in just one day i mean you teamed up with the movie critic micah sheridan for for what was called the 126 challenge and did it in 40 grueling hours later you both crossed that finish line how did this experience compare yeah. brian to what you did by yourself the year before mike has been a good friend of mine for a, for a while and i remember after the first challenge that i did uh, it was it was december mm-hmm. i was out running with mike i think it was on the 28th or the 29th of december mm-hmm. so just before new year's and we were just talking about the run i think we were out doing like a five or six mile run you know nothing uh too too strenuous and i i said to mike i was like i was I said, oh God, the 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 pain that I I, I kept waking up to and having to uh, get out and do another marathon. I was like, I should have just done it nonstop. I should have just kept going. <laughs> mm. That is literally how it came about. And Mike said to me, he's like, yeah, cool, I'll do that. <laughs> and I think I think we tweeted about it that day again to put it out into the atmosphere that we're that we're going to do this uh, this crazy challenge. Mm. And um, the training for that now was was pretty tough because. For an ultra marathon, you're doing past obviously uh, a marathon distance, but for training for an ultra ultra marathon, a lot of your training runs are far past a um, 
an ultra marathon. So mm. I remember we did we did a thirty five mile run, we did a forty mile run, and then our biggest run that we did, um, Mike's brother actually collected us from Mike's house and just drove north, mm-hmm. and he got to he got to a point. That we said we're, we're going to run eighty kilometers or sixty miles. Um, we're going to run that today. So he just kept a look at his at his, uh, his uh, distance on his uh, speedometer, and mm. he got to eighty kilometers. And he went right. That's it, lads. <laughs> out we hopped and we just had to run back to mm. Dublin so I think we were in Dundalk um, <laughs> which is like that, 60 miles away from Dublin and we just had to set off so those training runs just mm. to, to, to try and get yourself even to the start line of uh, of that ultra marathon was was pretty painful. Yeah, incredible way of how you went about the the training behind it. But in terms of the planning logistically for this uh, one to six challenge, I mean, you now had Mike by your mm. side. You you obviously had the Special Olympics back on board. What did you go through in this process to give yourselves both the best opportunity of of completing this challenge and making it a success? We wouldn't be your stereotypical athletes. Like, you know, we, I think we went to uh, DCU and we did a, um, um, a lactate threshold and, and we were quite, we were at, at a good space, but we were doing, and we were training at the worst time of year as well over here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, we were training kind of January, February, March, mm. So, like, pretty pretty grim. We were doing uh, either a six- or ten-mile run in the morning, and we were doing another two runs a day, mm-hmm. five, six days a week. And then, like, at the weekend, throwing in those kind of 20-mile runs, 30-mile runs, 40-mile runs. Sure. Um, so we were, again, but we were kind of just, you know, just going blindly into this, putting one foot in front of the other. Like, I remember back <laughs> back then, I, I, I kind of thought... Uh, carbohydrates and stuff like that were the devil so like <laughs> i had no carbohydrates or anything the night before we started our run mm. um everyone was telling me they're like oh you need to carb up have some pasta have some bread i was like no that will make me that will make me feel bad i'll just eat my my chicken and mm. all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so when it comes to um the preparation and so on for so I, i'd say there's some people out there looking at us who are a bit skeptical that we would have even completed it you know yeah wow well i read initially that uh, both of you expected uh, to complete the challenge in about 30 hours but as i mentioned it took close mm. to 40 hours what led to that delay well it turned out to be longer than 126 miles as well i think it turned oh, wow. out to be about 138 okay um so i didn't factor in the previous year um obviously i did the five marathons in five days and you know kind of i got up in the morning or i started at a point and i ran 26 miles and stopped and whatever and then got up the next day ran 20 so anyway it turned out to be about uh, nearly 138 or 140 miles like i said one of our training runs was 60 odd miles and we were really happy along the journey doing kind of the first 60 70 miles mm-hmm. and then it's like as if you know that kind of thing in your head it's like whoa this is this is the furthest we've ever done now we're into new territory yeah. And our bodies started breaking down. Mike had a, we kind of got, I think we were probably about 30, 40 miles away. And Mike had a, quite a severe hip issue. So he went to, he, he went to hospital and they said to him, um, you need to stop running. Your hip is actually out of place. I think it had come slightly out of the socket. But, you know, when you're 100 miles into something, you kind of, I think Mike thought there was still only one marathon to go. He's like, no, I'll make, I'll make the rest of it. But I think it turned out to be about 40 more miles. Yeah. Um, so he just got an injection and just kept going. I got hypothermia um, over over the night because it was raining quite heavily as well mm-hmm. throughout most of the run. Sure. 
So I got hypothermia. So I had to uh, get into a car for about 15 minutes and, and try and heat up. Mm. So all those kind of things, you know, they start chipping away at your body. Mm. Um, so I would say once we hit kind of the nighttime, you know, kind of 2 a.m. ish, 3 a.m., mm. um, you don't, you can't see where you're running in front of you. It just, it all just slowed down to a uh, a bit of crawl, you know, blisters and all that kind of thing. Looking mm. back on it now, I've, I say, I say to Mike, Mike has no interest in doing it again. <laughs> uh, he does MMA. He does MMA now. That's that's his thing. Okay. Um, but a, a friend of mine, uh, who's a who's a great athlete, Ash. I've said it to him. I was like, Ash, it's coming up to the ten year anniversary of that. Would you be up for it? Mm. And he's like, yes, I'm on board with that. So I, in the back of my head, I always thought we could have done that definitely still um, about 10 hours quicker than what, what it ended up being. Mm, wow. Well, you mentioned there, obviously, the injury to Mike's hip and, and your hypothermia. What mm. you didn't mention, though, was a, a sleep deprivation. I mean, a 40-hour long mm. day of, of no sleep, just doing b- basic day-to-day activities will take its toll on, on any person. But when you're running constantly through that amount of time. Yeah. How, how did you both deal with, with that aspect of it? I think the adrenaline got us, got us not, not even the, like, you know, there was, a, there was a big crew. We were filming this. It was actually a documentary, which you can watch online. Mm-hmm. So there were people filming us the whole way along. I suppose that had the added pressure as well that, you know, um, God, we can't really let ourselves down now with, with this. Um, I remember actually running, again about 15 or 20 miles outside of Dublin I remember running and a car drove by and gave us a beep <laughs> and I, I, I kind of I, I, I snapped back I had been kind of running half asleep I mm-hmm. think someone calls it a lucid state or something like that so mm-hmm. I was I was I was still my body was working but my mind had shut down mm-hmm. um, so that was uh, after I had that then it kind of I was like well this is but we were nearly we were nearly there so um it was it was tough again. Like I kind of got up to like the two a.m. three a.m. time. I I didn't feel the need for sleep or anything. I was kind of I found it quite exciting to be running still through the whole day. But it was mm. as I got through to the next day, and as as the hours started slipping by, you know, we thought we would finish at say uh, four in the afternoon, but that that passed us by with still kind of fifteen miles to go. Mm. Um, I think we finished around ten p.m. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was kind of. I, I I slept for a week after that, Kevin. Basically, yeah. you know, <laughs> I can yeah. imagine. Now, running 126 miles in one go is something not many people will ever get to experience in their life unless they do it, and mm-hmm. and so they don't know the highs and lows that come with it. Just to shed a bit more light on this, Brian, when was the lowest moment for you during the challenge? Uh, I know there was a point of the challenge. My wife went along on it as well, who was a great support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember there was just this small town we stopped in. I, I think we were 90 miles into the challenge. Mm. And I don't, know what it, I, I don't know what reason triggered it or whatever. I had to walk away from everybody. I had to l- lean down behind the car and I had a bit of a cry. Mm-hmm. And now I, I think up to that point, I actually can genuinely not remember when I had last cried. But mm. um, she came over and gave me a, a bit of comfort and said like how well we were doing and so on. So I remember there was just that point kind of emotionally where it all got to me a bit um the lowest point i suppose was uh was when i started getting hypothermia and i thought maybe they would cancel me from doing they would pull me out that maybe i'd have to go to hospital or something like that Mm. so i think i really fought through that i probably wasn't right for running after it but i i was putting on a bit of a brave face um there was those two points which stick out Mm. um 
I can't I can't remember like apart from just kind of the aches and pains and mm-hmm. blisters and so on like that kind of was just fairly constant for over 50 or 60 miles but isn't it an exact moment but yeah mm-hmm. I remember that. I still remember that. There's a point in the documentary where they're like, they're just chatting away and all of a sudden they're like, where's Brian? And, <laughs> and they, they missed, they thankfully missed all that. Mm. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't caught on camera. Yeah. <laughs> <No weep. laughs> well, what you're busy talking about there, Brian, you, you say, you, you know, breaking down emotionally, that's the mental aspect of it. Mm. The hypothermia, the yeah. blisters, that's the physical side of it. So for you though, personally, was it the mental or the physical battle that made it extremely challenging? Uh, definitely the physical, because again, with the with the charity, with the uh, the support crew that were with us, the amount of coverage and press we were getting from it, you know, mentally I knew that I had to uh, try and achieve this to the best of my ability, mm-hmm. um, unless that they unless I got pulled out for injury or or anything like that. So yeah, just trying to manage the pains, the niggles, the sore knees, the sore hips, the blisters. Um, that that was that was probably the toughest part. Like like I said, it's so hard to train for a run when you're not used to it. I know there's ultra marathon runners out there um, who who do it all the time, but mm. like for someone like myself who's who is just doing this kind of one off event, trying to train for that mm. um, and get your body ready for it is is pretty difficult, you know. Mm. So um, I had a blister that was pretty much the the entire size of my uh, my foot oh wow that just went went from the tip of the toes all the way back to the heel <laughs> and then on the other side i had one that went kind of the entire way from the bottom of my heel up to up to my uh the top of my um achilles mm-hmm. so like that and and no matter no matter how much is discussing this maybe this is uh, no matter how many times we pierced it it just filled up straight away mm-hmm. so that was just so uncomfortable to try and keep running through i'm sure anybody who's got a blister before um can appreciate that like having one the size of your entire foot (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well brian let's fast forward now six years to october 2018 not that long ago you decided to trade in Mm -hmm. your running shoes for a wetsuit and and some swimming goggles to take on the big swim this was obviously a a 10 kilometer swim across the bay from pulbega lighthouse to sandy coverture took you three and a half hours to complete why the change first of all from land to the sea for this challenge I left it for a while because mm. I just thought I was like oh you know I'll, I'll kind of just have a think and, and come up with something like you know it's, it's hard to try and constantly try and outdo yourself without saying something completely daft and not being able to achieve it you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, so I left it for a while and then I decided <clears throat> my brother is a very good athlete he does um, he's, he, he does Ironman and, and half Ironman mm. um, he qualified for the the, the games in um, in Austria I mm. think two or th- three years ago I think it was mm-hmm. um, and I remember going to see that and I was like oh maybe this is for me now maybe I'm into this it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the, the 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 atmosphere and the camaraderie with the whole thing was just brilliant I loved it so mm. um, I decided I'd I'd, I'd um, crawl before I'd run and I went for some triathlons, just some sprint triathlons and things like that. Mm. And I found the running obviously wasn't too much of an issue. The cycling I could improve on, but wasn't too much of an issue. But the swimming I found, I was like, oh my goodness. Mm. I, I, I used to swim when I was younger, but like, it was so difficult. I, I'd forgot like, you know, 50 meters and I would be completely gassed out. Mm. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I continued on with that, but the more I kind of went at it, the swimming was actually my favorite aspect then 
of triathlons. Mm-hmm. I just love the whole kind of, you know, getting suited and booted. I love the training of going out either to, you know, out to the ocean or, or swimming in a pool. Mm. Um, so that, that was about probably two years ago when I picked that up. Then I wanted to do the half Ironman in Dublin. And unfortunately, I got injured just like about a month beforehand. I, I tore my um, calf muscle. Mm. So that wasn't that wasn't uh, healed in time, mm. and um, yeah. So then the swim. I, I remember I was out swimming. There's a place here in Dublin called Sea Point, and um, I was just changing afterwards. And in the distance, you can see Poolbeg mm. Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. It's about five kilometers away, and I was looking over, it and I was like, oh, I wonder if I could swim from here to there, <laughs> you know. And I had no idea about open water swimmers. You know what they do. I know they do that now regularly mm. um but I, I was looking over there and oh, that, that might be a bit of a a challenge and then when mm. i found out people do that like for their sunday swims i thought all right <laughs> that's not that much of a challenge yeah. um so then i i so then i so then i kind of fleshed it out a bit i wanted to swim further i wanted to swim from Holt to dunleary mm-hmm. um but that goes across a, sh- a pretty busy shipping lane so they special olympics and uh, our team in 98 fm said uh said no to that one so I was like fine I'll swim from the nearest point I can I'll swim from Poolbeg Lighthouse to Dunleary mm. so that's how that's how the challenge came about um, now I'd, I I came up with that challenge back in April of this year mm-hmm. um, or end of March start of April I got on to Special Olympics and said I'm back <laughs> <laughs> I have a new thing I want to do for you they were mm. like where have you been <laughs> we've been waiting for one of these uh, one of these uh, Brian emails mm-hmm. Um and uh, so, so yeah. So I said that was, I said what I was going to do. They had an Ireland Games in May, and they said, "Oh, great, maybe you could do it." Or in June, actually, they were like, "Maybe you could do it in May." Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, sure, maybe I could do it in May." And the more I trained, and especially in April, mm-hmm. um, the water was so cold. I had to go back and say, "Look, uh, I'm nowhere near able to swim ten kilometers in the Irish Sea yet." Yeah. So we pushed it to September. Mm-hmm. And I was all ready to go for the September swim. I had uh, a pretty good routine um, going and training was great. Um, and then unfortunately, a day, two days before the swim, the uh, Coast Guard here uh, decided to pull it because the weather forecast was looking bad. So, okay. um, so then it was pushed back to October. Mm. And uh, they were going to pull it again the day of the swim. <laughs> but I, I, I managed to persuade them to let me get in the water. I, mm. I think I, I oversold my abilities to mm. them um, <laughs> just to try and get just to try and get the swim going. But yeah. I, um, I thankful, thankfully, they let me go. And thankfully, we got it finished. Yeah. After that big swim, I mean, you even admitted yourself that uh, the sea it, it almost defeated you a couple of times. Was that because mm. of uh, the swell, the rough nature of the water, the distance, or perhaps your, if you want to call it, inexperience when it comes to swimming such a long distance? I think all of those things. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, like I said, like I'm not one of these. You know, I, I, I'm kind of more of an adventure athlete. I love to throw myself at these challenges. Mm-hmm. I haven't swam my entire life. And um, I know there's brilliant swimmers out there who could do a 10K swim tomorrow morning if they want, but that's not the challenge. If you can do something easily, that's not a challenge. Mm. It's taking a Joe Schmo like me and saying what I'm going to do and trying to put a bit of effort and, and training into it. So the day of the swim, I would say the conditions were the worst conditions I've actually ever swam in. So mm-hmm. that was um, 
straight off the bat fairly difficult. I, I remember I was a kilometer. I was I was a kilometer in, so about twenty twenty five minutes into the swim, mm-hmm. and I looked back and I could still see where I left so clearly. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh Jesus, I've I've hardly. I felt like I had hardly moved. <laughs> um, and I was looking then across to the other side, and I was like, oh jeez, you know. I knew I had trained enough for my arms to, to to get me there, but just you know, again that that kind of mental side of things and trying to tell your body and your mind to shut up mm. and let me do what I'm saying I'm doing and stop trying to put these negative thoughts in my mind to stop me doing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I think kind of a, a mixture of things, inexperience and just the, the, the weather mm. and, all, and all that really. Yeah. Mm. Well, you, you mentioned that the one to six challenge uh, almost got the better of you physically more than mentally, but it sounds like the, the big swim was more of a psychological battle than the physical. Is that right? Would you say that? Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, even even on the far side, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons why I like swimming so much. I don't feel it, it impacts your body mm-hmm. as much as long distance running. I think as well, just the fact that it had been cancelled three weeks before and the fact that they were trying to cancel it again that day, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, ah, oh, just cancel it and mm. I'll, I'll do it another time but then I I was I was talking them into letting me do it but I was half thinking they're not going to let me do this here <laughs> so when I did get in the water and when I started I was like alright I'm really doing this <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so yeah so I, there was a lot of there was a I'd say there was three or four times in my head where I was like I was like god this is this is tough. Like the conditions for for an average swimmer, I think were quite difficult. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's I've I've posted some videos online of it and so on. There's other people who would who would love that. You know, love love the challenge of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for me, you know, someone who I'd never swam ten kilometers in those conditions before. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I was I was about two k out. But again, I thought I was I, th- I thought I had further to go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I thought I'd only done four kilometers, but I was already like at seven or eight. Mm. So um, I, I kind of, at that point, I was like, oh, geez, is this ever going to finish? And then I said to the team beside me, I was like, where's, where's the, where am I going? It was very hard to sight because the waves mm. were so high. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, where, which way am I going? And they're like, it's just over there, Brian. And I looked over and I was like, oh. I could see people. I could see people who were there waiting for me to finish. So um, I had to just put the head down at that point and just yeah. power through. Yeah. But yeah, three and a half hours probably took me, a, a, again, a little bit longer than, than I had uh, anticipated. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's all just because it's the first time that I did it. Yeah. I would have that marker if I was to go out and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um not that I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is still a very respectable time and, and something you can be very proud of. And what you can also be proud of, though, Brian, is uh, the fact what we've been speaking about and, and you've discussed it, that uh, you raise money for Special Olympics Islands through all these different challenges you've done. I'm interested mm. to know, though, why is it this initiative that is so close to your heart that keeps you coming up with these crazy tests of endurance when there are obviously other charities out there? When I did the first challenge, Special Olympics was actually suggested to me. Like, I just had the idea in my head I wanted to do five marathons or I wanted to run across the country. Mm. Um, And then we were kind of like, well, let's raise money for charity. And then the radio station that I worked for had kind of close ties with Special Olympics. So I was like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. Let's Mm -hmm. let's do it for, uh, for them. However, then when you when you work with Special Olympics, when you see what the money you're raising goes towards, when you see how much like effort and uh, time that goes into um, 
all the volunteers and all the training and everything like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, I, it's, it's just a very worthy um, charity to try and get behind, um, you know, and, and like we were trying to get at this year with the money. So the World Games are in Abu Dhabi in March and it's €5,000 per athlete to try and get there. Mm-hmm. And most of that money has to be ra- like fundraised. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like as if the governments give uh, a ton of money or there's a big kind of Olympic council behind it. Now, they do get money, but a lot of money has to be raised to try and get them. And there's 96 athletes going over there. So I think mm. that's like nearly half a million or a quarter. Of a million. I can't remember what the math are off the top of my head. But, um, you know, I was just trying to raise 10 grand, which is enough for two athletes to go out of 96, which really doesn't seem that much. Mm. So it's it's a tough one for them to constantly be trying to raise money to try and get these athletes to live their dreams and have memories that they'll remember for the rest of their lives too. So mm. I, I've raised now 70 plus thousand euro for um, Special Olympics wow. through the challenges. So uh, I now have another kind of weird bone in my head where I'd like to get to 100,000. <laughs> um, so I've just put my thinking cap on. I have a couple of ideas in, in mm. the back of my mind. Bush, I told my wife I would take a break for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, 70,000 euros is incredible. As you mentioned, 5,000 per athlete. So you've essentially helped 14 athletes go to uh, the Special Olympics. Well done, Brian. Very, very remarkable. Mm. Now, this next question, I, I think I know the answer to it, but I, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. Do you consider yourself as an endurance athlete now based on what you've accomplished from the challenges you've done or do you still think of yourself as just a regular guy with the ability to achieve great things when you put your mind to it? Uh, a bit of column A and a bit of column B there, right? So mm-hmm. I, I prefer endurance kind of uh, adventures or, or sports. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be driven by times and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really have been. But I don't, I don't do enough of them, I don't think, to kind of put myself into the bracket of an endurance athlete. You know, like there's guys out there, like I said, who do long distance swimming constantly. There's guys out there who do long distance runs or mm-hmm. cycles and so on. I just kind of, I love just the mental challenge of it and trying to put something in front of me to work towards. Mm. It gives me a goal to work towards. Um, I usually set it out at the beginning of, of, of a year. And I say, you know, kind of started in, in sections. So kind of start out with the training, work it up to maybe a, an event and then work up to the big challenge. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, st- I still think I'm a, a, a fairly regular athlete who uh, just like setting extraordinary challenges for himself mm. well no one can obviously deny that you enjoy the thrill of the challenge i mean no, no matter how big or small one of the more the non-conventional challenges was uh when you did joe gets ripped series i i read about that it, it, it took some <laughs> yeah. great great discipline some serious effort on your behalf to transform your body uh, in the course of 12 weeks what did you take away from yeah. from that experience and, and what did you learn about yourself from it that experience was good it was tough but again, initially I got uh, decided to do a marathon because I was putting on a lot of weight and mm-hmm. so on. I just I needed something to motivate myself that was big enough to do. Like if I say I'm going to do a 5K run, mm-hmm. I'd probably be only out running one kilometer runs and then struggle on the day to get through five. And so I, I knew I, I need these big challenges. So I've always kind of struggled with my weight. I put it on very easily. <clears throat> I don't eat particularly bad. I don't drink a lot. I just put on weight very easily. Mm-hmm. So the Joe Gets Ripped Challenge, I've never had this kind of weird thing about aesthetics and trying to look 
kind of massively ripped. So I just, uh, you know, I went along with this again. I just, uh, it was a challenge that was brought to me. It was actually Mike Sheridan mm-hmm. who did the Challenge 126. He was the editor of the website at the time and he suggested me for it. So um, <clears throat> I, I decided to go for that. I wasn't overly happy with how it finished, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I have since learned a lot more through training with different trainers, a lot that I was doing wrong and that's kind of, that challenge but I wasn't a gym goer I I didn't even have a gym membership at the time so um, I I hadn't really lifted weights I've learned a lot more and a lot a lot better techniques Mm. since back then but I I I, I never say I got ripped on that I just say I got skinny Mm. (laughs) so um, I've I've done I've done better um, kind of things since working with different trainers and so on over over the past couple of years. Mm, wow. Well, it was still a, a, a great achievement. I saw the before and after pictures and uh, you did well, even mm. in the short space of time, 12 weeks. It's it's yeah. not that long I- in the grand scheme of things. Now, Brian, you are also obviously a, a family man and you're a father of two young mm. daughters. What do they think about all these challenges that you have done and you put yourself through? But this year now, the swim was probably the first. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So um, the three-year-old is kind of getting to the stage now where she's starting to understand a lot more and mm-hmm. f- figure things out. So it was really nice to have her at the finish line. I, I put a post on <clears throat> on Instagram, actually. The whole way through the swim, I had visualized the start of the swim, the middle of the swim, and the end of the swim. Mm-hmm. So the end of the swim, I always visualized getting out of the water and uh, my wife and my daughters being there. So that was kind of something that I, I had, again, was a motivation to get me through and to get me finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she she enjoyed being down on the beach. I don't think she really understood <laughs> what I had actually gone through to get mm-hmm. there. And I think she just thought I looked a bit silly in my wetsuit. And, <laughs> uh, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't give me a hug at the end because uh, I was wet. Yeah. But um, it, was, it was just nice to be there. She had a little sign and stuff for me. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully someday um, maybe the challenges will will keep going over the next couple of years, and mm. uh, she'll she'll uh, understand it a bit more. Yeah. Now, finally, Brian, twenty nineteen, it's it's almost upon us. Uh, do you have anything else lined up yet in order to raise more funds for Special Olympics Ireland? You you mentioned obviously you're going to take a bit of time off now following the big swim, but uh, when the next challenge rolls around, have you any idea what you'd like to do? Perhaps uh, I don't know an, an outdoor cycle, a mountain climb. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I actually I have about four or five ideas <laughs> <laughs> from the smaller ones of just like kind of well I say smaller ones, but just like kind of uh, a non-stop cycle mm-hmm. to some point. I, I, I was going to actually do that earlier this year, but it fell through. So that's kind of still an idea that might might play out. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like the idea of, I, I don't know if you ever saw the John Bishop kind of ultra triathlon that he did, mm-hmm. yeah. um, where, where he cycled across France and then rode across the channel and then did a couple of marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something again. And then the swimming now, I just, uh, I really think I have, a bit of a passion for so I'm wondering if I can up the ante on the swim mm. uh, maybe some sort of Irish version of what Ross Edgley just did <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't know if my wife will uh, will grant me <laughs> permission to do that go away for a few months yeah so yeah there's a, there's a couple of things in my head but like ultimately my goal for 2019 is just to try and consistently stay fit mm. So, like I said, I kind of have this weird devil on my shoulder, an angel, and the devil is far greater than the angel when it comes to training. Mm-hmm. 
So like if there's a drop of rain outside, the devil will be like, nah, not today. <laughs> you know, uh, if there's like, you know, if, if, if I missed something on the Monday and I get to Tuesday, I'm like, ah, sure, the week's gone. There's no point in doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why I have to set these challenges that literally petrify me yeah. into having to train. Um, so, yeah, so my, my ultimate goal for, for 2019 is just trying to be consistently fit through the year and um, just try and try and stick with it. Well, whatever challenge you decide to do in the in the next uh, months and years to come, uh, we can't wait to see what it will be and uh, wish you all the best for that too, Brian. Thank you so much for taking the time to share experiences with us on the Hardest Nails podcast and for motivating and also inspiring our, our listeners that within us all, we all have the ability to push ourselves to the limit and do not need to be a professional athlete in order to complete epic challenges. Also, keep up the, the fantastic work you're doing with Special Olympics Island. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Thanks very much for having me, Kevin.